Welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Hello, and welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast. Today, we've got a great presentation. It's a special presentation that we that we first ran on our Fathering Together Facebook page. As you know, I work to bring you guests that will help you to look and see things in a little bit different way, but also allow for you to meet some really amazing individuals that are going to help you think about things in different ways as well. Today's webinar is definitely one of those. On the Fathering Together Facebook page, we do provide you with webinars as well as panel discussions that are going to broaden your perspective on a number of different things. And I hope that today's presentation will do just that. I have a background in gender equality and racial justice, and I am a daughter who was raised primarily by her father. So um, Fathering Together's mission is really important and personal to me. Um, I'm super excited to be here with our very highly esteemed panelists. Um, This is the second panel in a series of three discussions. Um, Tonight we're focused on how dads can um, encourage their daughters to adopt social justice values um, and then perhaps um, encourage them to take up social justice professionally in their careers. Um, And our three panelists um, will share a lot of important insight on on how to do that. So first we have Barbara Barbara Barreno-Pachel. She's with the State of Illinois Human Rights Commission. Hello, Barbara. Hi, everyone. We have Ruth Lopez-McCarthy. She is the managing attorney with the Legal Protection Fund. Hi, Ruth. Hi, everyone. And then we have Katie McFadden, who's the deputy director of the Sierra Club, Illinois chapter. Hey guys, good evening. Okay, great. So thank you all for being here. Um, You know, I think it's really important for us, um, you know, to get a sense of your father as we go into this discussion about how your father has influenced you, um, you know, not only to adopt social justice values, but to take up um, social justice professionally, which I'm sure you all know is a different commitment, right? Because in many ways, then our career means more than just going to work from nine to five and collecting a paycheck, right? You know, oftentimes our considerations are different. We're thinking about who's impacted, right? How can we make people's lives better? You know, what are all of the, um, you know, the conflicts or, um, you know, what's at stake when we go to work, right? So, you know, with that in mind, um, how would you describe your dad and what kind of father was he? And Barbara, if it's okay with you, I think we'll start with you. Is that all right, Barbara? Sure. Thank you, Emily, and thank you all for being here. Um, I'd like to start off by saying that my views tonight in this panel are my own and do not reflect or represent the views of the Illinois Human Rights Commission. It's very um, much a pleasure of mine to speak about my father, Romulo Barreno, uh, who is an immigrant from Ecuador. 50 years ago, he came to the United States to study and um, now has children who have all graduated from college. And I'm an attorney and policy advocate. And he's just someone who really instilled the value and power of education. Knowledge is power. Information is power. And his whole life has been about pursuing education. That's why he came to the U.S., and that's what he's instilled in us and all five of us here um, in the U.S. And I know in my heart that not the person I am today, would I wouldn't be where I am today without him and the incredible influence he's had on my career and just pursuing different steps that are challenging. And I would never have thought I would be where I am today without him. So I'll stop there, but I, I look forward to speaking more about him and the tremendous influence he's had on my life. Great, great. Thank you, Barbara. Yeah, and I can see how your father's life experience um, of immigrating to the U.S. from Ecuador um, and then really valuing and prioritizing education himself um, would definitely have an influence on you and then also your siblings. So thank you for that. Okay, Katie, how about we go to you next? Sure. So my dad, Tracy McFadden, um, if I think about the household he grew up in, and he grew up um, with 
uh, his father, my grandfather, was a union activist. And so politics and social justice were like very part of the kitchen table and just uh, every table, honestly, for him. Um, and so he, uh, that was something that obviously was brought to our household. And I think a lot about his, um, his focus, yes, also being on education, like Barbara said, but really on the like making the next generation better and having more opportunities. And so, you know, while his father, um, you know, didn't get to go to college, you know, the fact that my dad did and then, you know, try to provide opportunities like that and emphasizing that uh, was definitely something he talked a lot about. Um, and uh, while he didn't have a career in social justice, it is so much of who my father is. And um, I think a huge reason, uh, if not the reason, why I do what I do now. Yeah, great. Thank you. And I love how you said, I think referring to your grandfather, that um, union and politics, you know, that was just part of the discussion at every table for your grandfather, right? So it sounds like in some ways, you know, without understanding the union business and, and um, you know, politics, then how could you know your grandfather, right? That's, that's kind of what it sounded like when you, when you shared that. Thank you. Okay, Ruth, um, let's hear from you. Hi, everyone. Um, yes, thank you for having me on the panel and for being with all of my lovely um, and wonderful friends here. Um, so, yeah, my father is Oscar Lopez, and he's somebody who has, I mean, is actually the reason that I am an attorney and that I work in immigration. Um, you know, both of my parents, actually, but, but my dad really, um, being an immigrant, he came to this country when he was around 17 from Peru, um, you know, and came... Um, seeking you know, a better life, more education. My father as well, um, you know, has always instilled education from the beginning as the way of kind of moving, moving up. Um, you know, he came very, as a, as very poor as an immigrant and, and built a life here. Um, and, but actually had some concern and some issues um, with immigration when I was a kid. And, you know, that was the reason that um, that, that in the future, you know, I am now an immigration attorney and I work in immigration policy and advocacy and I have since I graduated from college. So, you know, for close to 17 years, um, the work that I have done and the work that I've done has been influenced by my father um, and my parents and my family and those around me. And, you know, just always seeking and finding a way to um, make this country and make this world a better place for immigrants. Um, and, and my dad helped, you know, not just as, you know, because he is an immigrant when he went through, but um, showing and living his life um, and just working, right? My dad was a factory worker um, and has been, um, you know, as for as long as I've known, he's the smartest man I've known, but he, he wasn't able to go to school because he had to work and, um, and provide. So, you know, he's really, to me, somebody who not, has only shown selflessness um, for his family, but also um, just a drive and a passion and a desire. And those are all things that I take with me uh, in my, my work. And um, again, the reason why I do the work I do. Yeah, thanks for that, Ruth. And that helps me to kind of reflect on my own experience. Um, just knowing that, like, when I see, you know, my grandparents, for example, they migrated from Mississippi to Wisconsin in search of a better life, right? Um, and then I know that, you know, my father felt a lot of pressure to, like, get a good education and then succeed. And then so when it comes to me, you know, I had this moment where I really reflected on both generations and thought, wow, they have worked so hard to create opportunities for me and for my siblings. And so that that's something also that I just, you know, can't take for granted. Right. And so, you know, I think it really speaks to how much the experiences in, in really everyone's response, you know, it speaks to how much the experiences of our grandparents, of our parents, and even the loved ones around us, you know, influences our decisions um, to make the world a better place, right? And, and often through the pursuit of social justice. And, you know, I think in some ways, you know, we can be really privileged in some ways to also make a career out of social justice pursuits, right? So, okay, great. All right. Thank you. So, um, you know, 
the next question is we really just want to get to know a little bit more about your career and how you all have gotten um, to the point where you are now. Um, so we, we heard your titles and, and where you all are working now, which is all very impressive um, and, and great accomplishments um, by all of you. So just tell us a little bit more about your career path and also just more about yourself and what you do professionally. Um, so Katie, why don't we start with you? Sure. Um, so I always like to tell the story that I, I think I alluded to why before, but that I sort of knew I was always going to do something around uh, like activism or social justice just because of the household I grew up in. It was just sort of like, which topic do I pick? And so uh, in college, I had a, a, a really important moment where you know, I, I had um, a professor who was lecturing about um, basically about climate change. And I sort of had this moment where everything sort of clicked, where I realized like the only reason why we're not acting on climate justice is because like a few corporations at the top are like making decisions for like the rest of humanity and they're doing this out of greed. And it sort of fit the same like union household like value set that I had grown up with, but it was just like climate change and environmental justice was sort of like the other topic. Um, and so I, I had a moment right there where I was like, this is highly unfair, unjust. And like, I want to do what I can uh, to work on this issue. And so like literally changed my major the next day. And that's when I decided that environment was um, the issue I wanted to work on, but it really comes from a core place of like, social justice and just like, um, and, and, and equity. And, and I see it as so connected to so many issues, um, because it is, but anyway, uh, my job is I, I work for the Sierra club, um, here in Illinois. And as the deputy director, I both sort of like get to help, uh, organizational management and kind of, um, you know, setting strategy and, and working with our campaigns. But a, a big part of what I do is I also work on the political side. So we make endorsements and we help um, get people elected who are good on the environment. So recognizing that if we, you know, want to take action on these issues, that we have to have elected leaders that care and prioritize these things. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about what I do. Great. Thank you. And that's super important work, Katie. So thank you for working on that. <laughs> Great. All right, Ruth, how about we go to you next? Yeah. Um, okay. So remind me of the question, Emily. It's our career path. How we got there? <laughs> yeah. Just tell us a little bit more about yourself professionally and then also like how you've gotten to where you are now. Sure. So, so I am um, a managing attorney at the National Immigrant Justice Center and I run a program called the Legal Protection Fund. Um, how did I get here? So uh, I kind of, you know, like I mentioned, I grew up in Chicago. I was born and raised in Chicago um, in the Humboldt Park area. And we moved to the north, well, always north side, but, but a further north in like Old Irving. That's where I grew up. Um, and, you know, for me, um, you know, we grew up with, with not a lot of money um, and we relied on social services. Um, those, you know, the, that was part of how um, I grew up and what we needed. And as, you know, um, I got older, I, I realized you know, um, and learned about inequities and social justice and understood that, you know, the reasons that I was where I was right, you know, in, in my career and in my life was because I had a family who supported me and um, I had I had resources that were provided to me as a child um, to, to get me to where I needed to be. So, you know, I kind of always looked at that and said, you know, that's important and that needs to happen and we need to continue. And I can't, I can't close the door behind me to other children and other, you know, families that need that help and need that support. Um, whether it be public housing, whether it be immigration, whether it be, you know, all of these different resources that people need um, that, that we need to continue to fight for, for them and for us. Right. Um, all of that uh, really always led me to figure out how, how could I help, right? So after college, I became um, a community organizer, realizing that, you know, I, I, I knew I wanted to help people. Um, that led me into immigration organizing, which then also, you know, led me to this realization of, of a privilege that I didn't even realize I had, you know, because when I was a child, um, my father was almost deported. 
but he wasn't because the laws are different, right? The laws were different in the eighties than they are today. And that just struck me as such um, inequity that, you know, I'm the person I am because of my father and that he wasn't here, you know, that, that people could change laws and that things could happen so arbitrarily that, you know, would ruin people's lives. Um, and so for me, it became uh, important to figure out a way to give back and becoming an attorney because I am bilingual, um, you know, speak Spanish and English. I, I knew and I felt that it was very important for me to to move on this issue, right? So I, I knew going into law school, I didn't know what and I didn't know how, um, but I knew that in the future I would be working towards advancing, you know, uh, immigrant issues um, and poverty issues because I needed to, because it has, it has to happen and people have to do it. Um, and it happened and people did it for me. Um, so it's important for me to continue that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and thank you for that work. That work is is really important. And I think we've seen, um, you know, we've been confronted with how important that work is around immigration, around anti-poverty work, right? Especially in the last couple of years. Um, so thank you for that, um, for that work also, Ruth. And, you know, just, you know, as you're talking to it, you know, it just reminds me of that spirit of giving back, which is so central to, you know, social justice activism, right? Like this notion that, like, we have to do what we can to make things better or more livable for people who struggle or just for everyday people, right? So, so thank you for that. Okay, Barbara, let's hear from you. I have a background in law and policy, and my dad really is the reason I took the legal path that I took because I was humming along. I went to college and I was really interested in a career in the law, going back to middle school and just learning about different leaders and seeing that how they use the law to make social change happen. And when I was a senior in college, I was doing a lot of things really involved and it didn't turn out the way I thought when I applied to law school. I only had one school to choose from and I decided I didn't want to go to that school. So who was it who told me I could do it? My dad. He said, look, retake the exam, apply again. Let's see what happens. And so I was thinking I would go straight to law school out of undergrad, but instead I went home, I taught SAT classes, I tutored students, I did what I could living at home, applying to law school. And with his support, my mom's support, my whole family's support, I was able to go. And the year I went to law school was the start of the Great Recession. So going into law school, I thought, oh, goodness, um, what's going to happen here? Um, And so I just worked as hard as I can. And I was thinking about how hard he must have worked when he came here 50 years ago, barely knowing any English, learning English, studying electrical engineering, which is not an easy subject. And I thought, okay, I could do this. Yes, it's a very difficult time in our country. Hope I can get a job. Let's let's do this. And so I studied hard and I was able to make the law review and work at a law firm because debt um, took on a lot of student debt. And so during that time, I was really starting to formulate some views about what I could do to help others. And I was thinking about him and thinking about what he had done to overcome some hardships and how he was able to become a U.S. citizen and work for the federal government. Uh, I had an internship with the State Department, and then as I was at the law firm, thinking, okay, how can I use the skills? How can I use the education? And I thought of him again when I decided to go to policy school. So in my fourth year at the law firm, I decided I would pivot. I would do a policy degree at the University of Chicago. So I left my law firm career. I went to the University of Chicago, did two-year MPP, and I did a program called New Leaders Council, which all of us on this panel are familiar with. It's an incredible organization. If you haven't heard of it, um, New Leaders Council, NLC, uh, check it out. And I did other programs to kind of figure out how I could pivot from being a law firm attorney to something else. During my law firm career, I had represented immigrants seeking asylum. And that was really important to me because these are people who had harrowing life experiences coming to seek refuge in the United States, hoping for a better life, but running into some obstacles, you know, once they get here with the legal process. And luckily, I was able to represent some of them and many of them were successful. And I was thinking, okay, well, what can I do? And so I ended up going to civil rights as an area where I could really add value and be helpful to people with my legal degree and the policy degree that I had. So I spent two years at the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights working on housing issues, impacting people who had been victims of housing discrimination, which is endemic in this country 
And a year ago, I was appointed by Governor Pritzker to the Illinois Human Rights Commission, whose mission is to promote freedom from discrimination. So my whole career has been about promoting freedom from discrimination, promoting civil rights and the rule of law, and respecting the process. So I very am thankful to have the opportunity to serve the people of Illinois in this neutral fact finder role, adjudicator role. And I think a lot about my dad and his service going from Ecuador to the U.S. and then ultimately serving the federal in the federal government at the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. And I too am very privileged and honored to serve as well. And as I think about the future, uh, I, I really want to make sure everything I do is in service of others. I'm very privileged, have a great life. I want to make sure as many people have as great a life or a better, better life than I have because we all need this. We all need to be able to feel good about our lives and what we do, that we have enough food to eat, that we have health care, that we have all these things that we need to live the best lives we can and that we all have the same access to resources. And it's it's that's very important to me, the equity. So uh, I think about them a lot when I think about the roles that I've had and what I'd like to do um, in, in the longer term and, and what I do now. Great, thank you for that, Barbara. What a noble um, career trajectory that um, you're on and that you've been on. Um, and I just think about the Illinois Human Rights Commission and human rights commissions all over the country, and they play such an important role because you know sometimes in institutions where people are discriminated against and they can't access justice within those institutions, right? You, one does need some external accountability. And I see the Human Rights Commission as playing that role of bringing in the external accountability um, to situations where there's where discrimination has taken place. Um, and, you know, I just love, Barbara, how you share so much about your father because it seems clear that he was, um, you know, a real model and, and source of inspiration for you. Um, and I can really relate to that, having that moment of like, oh man, okay, so my career plans didn't go exactly as I thought they would. <laughs> um, and then, you know, the first person that I turned to is my dad, you know, and then um, somehow just in some, you know, something that seems like really simple advice, like take the test again, <laughs> you know, somehow it wasn't apparent to me until, um, you know, until I talked to my father. So it, it's kind of sweet how they can, um, you know, kind of play those kinds of roles for us, you know, even as we grow. So, all right, you know, I think this notion of social justice sometimes, you know, gets critiqued or maybe it's seen as just trendy, like it's kind of the topic of the moment. Um, and, you know, in some ways it can mean a lot of different things for different people. You know, I think in this moment following, um, you know, the recent racial justice um, protests, you know, the crises around immigration that, um, you know, we've seen over the last year, just this moment um, of, of real reckoning with climate change, right? I mean, we're seeing, um, you know, um, situations or disasters related to climate almost every day, right? From the hurricanes to the wildfires to just some of the hottest temperatures on record, um, even in the last few days. So, um, you know, I'm really curious to know from you three, you know, what social justice means to you. Um, and then, you know, if there's any way that your father has influenced that, um, you know, how, but I think just to start, I think it would be really um, insightful to hear what social justice means to the three of you. Um, so let's see here, Ruth, how about we start with you? Sure. Um, so I think I, this is, and this is all for me, right? And in, in my, my view of what social justice means to me, and it was always about, um, so I was, I went to a, a Jesuit high school and the Jesuits are a sect of Catholicism that are known for education and for their doing and their, you know, their giving of others. Right. Um, and our motto was men and women for others. Um, and, and that stuck with me, right? That that was something that to me, um, in terms of, of social justice means, you know, that we, we work for others, we treat others, where we're there to help and um, 
help our fellow, our fellow human, our fellow, our fellow man. Um, but I take it one step further and it's not just to help, but also to teach and to learn and to grow. Right. So it's not, you know, I, I don't feel in my work that I just, I help. That's not enough. Right. And that work is also about cultivating leadership. It's about cultivating community. It's about um, creating uh, a world that, that is, that is just in a way that, you know, um, we, and what does that mean? You know, that, that, that there's equity, that there's um, uh, parity, that, that people are seen for who they are um, and, and not for, uh, for their skill, their, you know, their wealth or, or the, the things that, that aren't um, their person. So, you know, I've always thought for myself, social, that's what social justice is, you know, it's, it's about helping others in however possible, about working with community, about building um, trust, building leadership, building um, the, the, the consensus, right, of what a community needs and, and um, builds for itself, right? So that's, you know, it, it's still formulating and I think it always is changing and growing. Um, you know, I'm not one to say that I am, I know the end all be all at, at all. Like I'm, I'm always out searching for somebody to prove me wrong and, and to, to show me and to, to teach me something new. Um, and I think, you know, that's really just being open, being accepting um, and being strong in convictions. You know, I think that's another part of, of what social justice means to me is understanding what, what's right, what's wrong, and, 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 and holding that to a higher degree and, you know, being that person that, um, that, that it matters and that those issues matter and that you're there for them. Yeah, that's so good. I like, <laughs> I feel like that's such a powerful um, statement, you know, to, um, you know, standing up for, you know, what's right, what's wrong, having conviction about that and showing up for those issues. Um, I think that that's so important. Um, and, you know, I can imagine that a lot of dads want their daughters to feel that kind of strength and conviction, right, about, you know, their values, their morals, like their religion, right? You brought in um, the Jesuits, right? Um, I, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of fathers want that, um, want that for their children. Um, and so maybe we'll come back to you to give you some time to think about that. But Ruth, like if you can think about if there was like a time or like a statement or something that your father really instilled that kind of value in you, like really encouraged you to stand up for, you know, your morals to show up, um, so I'll just give you some time to think about that because um, I think that that could be really helpful for dads and instructive. Um, okay, so Katie, let's go to you. What does social justice mean to you? Sure. So um, I definitely think my dad had a big influence in this and me, and um, he was was an airline pilot. And so he was always flying all across the country. And um, one thing that he did from even a very young age is he would always bring me um, like cut out newspaper articles. Um, and from different, you know, different newspapers from across the country, you know, cause kind of whatever he found and was reading that day. And uh, this ties back to social justice because the idea was that it, the world is big and it is so critical that you are aware of what's going on. Um, and that, and a lot of the themes of the articles were definitely social justice themes, whether it was, you know, you know, a union thing, or maybe it was, you know, a anti-war or some sort of theme where it was like to, to him, it was so important that I knew the world was bigger than, you know, the the immediate world that I was in, and you know, especially like, you know, all name, I grew up in a, I had a pretty privileged upbringing, you know, I always had what I needed and, um, but it was so critical for him to know that that was like not the reality. And, uh, for me to know that there was an expectation that I kept up on what was going on in the world and that then I could like have a discussion with him about the article that he brought home for me. You know, like it wasn't just a, here you go. It was like, a, now let's talk about it. Um, and that continued like, even in like when I was in college, I would get envelopes full, like stuffed with like ripped out newspaper articles and like usually no note, just like some articles I was should read. Um, so I think like, that's a really big part of it. And then I also, something that 
I want to say, especially as someone who's gone into this as a career and, and also, you know, like Ruth, I am also a community organizer. And so that's sort of how I look at everything, but a big part of moving people into action to actually take action on their values is them recognizing that they can actually make a difference in the world. So, you know, you could imagine where there's a world where I read all those newspaper articles and my whole life, I'm just like, oh, geez, everything's horrible. Uh, You know, there's so many fights happening in the world, but a huge piece of my dad was not just like, you need to know what's going on in the world, but it was like a, you can do something about it. And so I think moving people to like, recognizing that they can make a difference in the world is a huge piece of it. And that is absolutely what my dad instilled in me. And so, you know, whether it was when I was like really young, I really wanted to be a reporter. And so like I was literally in first grade and my dad was like, for spring break, we're going to go to New York city and you're going to go see the today show being taped. And so it's like, you can't start too young and like recognizing in your daughters that like, okay, they want to do a thing. Let's go look, I'm going to help you on this path, even if you're like six or seven years old. So, um, you know, recognizing not only, you know, sort of that it's critical to understand the reality and inequity that is the world, but recognizing that you can play um, a a piece in that. And that's a, like, that's not a small thing. Like as you know, we are all have careers in this, uh, you know, careers in this are hard. They're not, uh, they're not a ton of jobs in this field and they're not always the most well-paid or best benefits or whatever. And uh, so recognizing that and still encouraging your daughter to take those steps and choose that life um, and, and being supportive of choosing that life, I think is, re- is really important because um, I think it's rare, you know, that people would say, oh yeah, go ahead and go be a climate activist <laughs> with your life. Uh, but, you know, knowing that, that, you know, I couldn't have been happy in a job where I wasn't living my values every day, um, but having that support obviously means the world. So I'll stop there. Yeah, great. Thank you for sharing that, Katie. Um, you know, what I'm remind or what I think of when you you say that your father was an airline p- pilot and so he would cut out, you know, newspaper articles from wherever he was um, and share them with you. It seems like it really set the expectation for you to engage with what's happening in the world, right? And I think that in like this day and age, that's so important, right? Because um, you know you know, people want to talk about millennials and Gen Z, right? And in the ways in which technology and social media has impacted their, you know, not only their social skills, but their sense of individualism, right? So this notion that, okay, even if you think this problem doesn't impact you, there's still an expectation to engage, right? Even if this is happening, you know, 10,000 miles from where you live, let's engage with it, right? Like, how can we make that better? What might this mean for us? Do we see some similarity somewhere, right? And so, you know, it, it sounds like that expectation for you to engage was, was really normalized, um, you know, throughout your life. Um, and I can see how that, you know, um, you know, paired with, you know, uh, probably, um, prepared you also to deal with people who come from different backgrounds as you, who experience different problems, right? And I think that that's so important too, is that we can engage across difference, right? Um, and, you know, that is like not only essential for, um, you know, social justice, I think it's it's also just good people skills, right? Um, and, and will be helpful in, in any kind of career. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's great, Katie. And Yes, more climate activists, right? <laughs> so thank you for that. Um, okay, let's see, Barbara, let's go to you. What does social justice mean to you? My dad instilled many lessons and principles in me, and I'll share a couple that reflect the concepts of social justice. First, growing up, my dad said I could do anything I wanted to do. Uh, I didn't think of myself as in a very small percentage of people uh, achieving at a high level until much later, because that wasn't part of the discussion. It wasn't, 
oh, Latinas are not well represented in the law, so you have to go and do that. It wasn't that at all. It's like, oh, you want to be a lawyer? That sounds great. Go for it. And it was only later that I realized, oh, wow, there really aren't that many um, Latinas in the law at all. That's my family in the background, so um, (laughs) sorry about that. Uh, Anyway, so it was great that he taught me that I had to think about things for what they are and not try to think of it as how I would fit in it necessarily because that could create some limiting beliefs. And so I didn't have any limiting beliefs growing up because he was so supportive and appreciative of my interest in learning and being a better person and serving others. He also exposed me to the world. Uh, He would take me everywhere. We would go to the art museum. And I have a formative memory of Diego Rivera, who is a famous Mexican painter. And he had an exhibit at LACMA, the LA County Museum of Art. I'm from California. And it was amazing to me that I saw, oh, a Mexican painter. And of course, didn't realize until later, like there aren't that many of those that are world renowned, right? That people still look at that art and think, wow, what an amazing artist. I just came back from the Monet exhibit. You know, that's who people think of. It's like, oh, European artists, right? But actually, no, there was a Mexican artist too. It was amazing. And and so he exposed me to that. He would take me to the mechanics, uh, um, their offices and where they took shop and prepared cars. And I would see firsthand negotiating, you know, how did it work? How did he, how was he able to get our car fixed and not have to pay a ton of money for it? Uh, He taught me the value of a dollar. When I went to college, he helped me get a credit card. I didn't even know what credit was. <laughs> like I showed up and I'm like, oh, that might be a good idea. So I had a debit card and a credit card. I hardly used it, which, which was good because he didn't really have too much credit card debt because he watched finances so closely. We lived very frugally. There were five of us. He had to pay student loans for my older brother and sister and then student loans again for me. And I learned the value of financial planning. And then I learned later how very difficult it is for people who have three, four, five children, even two, even one, with hefty college bills and tuition expenses. How are they going to afford this and provide for their family? And so he taught me these lessons. And most importantly, generosity. My dad has always given to the church, Catholic Church, to church-related organizations, to nonprofits that provide services to the poor. These are very important tenets of our society, giving and not charity always, but giving so that people can do. And he's done that forever, like for, for as long. And, you know, we didn't always have a ton of extra income lying around, but it was so important for him to give to others that it convinced me. I'm like, yeah, I need to do that too. There's always some more. There's always something there. And whether it's by volunteering my time or my, you know, extra income, whatever it may be, I can do more. I can always do more. And I learned that from him. And I always remember, you know, there'd be people, and in Los Angeles, the homeless population is really high right now, but it was pretty substantial back then when I was growing up. And he would always give to people who were asking for money. And that's so important because we have to ask ourselves, well, how'd they get there? And so I learned about social justice from observing him in these interactions with people from all walks of life, whether we're in a wonderful, you know, air-conditioned museum, because in California, you need air conditioning. It's really hot, you know, to fixing the car or giving to someone on the highway or like when you get off the highway or the freeway and someone's there selling something or even not even selling something, just give them a few dollars, you know. I learned about some of the issues that permeate our society. And and then I thought to myself, well, what can I do? Because obviously I cannot solve all the problems. No one can. But how can I make the impact that I want to see? And how can I work with others? And how can I support? This is critical. How can I support others who are doing work like Ruth and Katie? I mean, excellent examples of wonderful, committed people who want to promote social justice and to related in some ways, but different areas. How can I support them? So he really kind of opened my eyes to the world and the problems in it. And I feel really good now that I can do what I can as a professional and as a volunteer and as someone who can give to others and teach that value to my daughter. So I, I, I'm just so indebted to him and the ways he taught us about what society is and what it could be and what I hope it will be. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for that, Barbara. Um, And, you know, what I'm thinking about, you know, and hearing, you know, 
that your father was always giving, giving to the church, giving to causes, giving so that people could do right. Um, you know, giving to the person who's, you know, um, standing on the side of the, you know, the off-ramp of the freeway, right? It also garners a sense of compassion, right? Because it's like, in some ways, okay, you know, let's just empathize with these people. Clearly, like, there needs to be, um, you know, clearly we can make a difference here, right? And, and it's not necessarily about what the person did or didn't do to get there, but can we make things better right now, right? By giving. Um, so I think that's great. And I, I also love that you shared those examples of your father taking you to the art museum um, to see, um, you know, artists in whom you could see yourself reflected, right? Diego Rivera um, and his murals. And so that's also, you know, kind of a note to dads that, you know, even just right where we live, there are plenty of resources um, that can help to give daughters to open their minds, right? Give them greater perspective on, you know, what's happening in the world and, and who in fact is helping to shape the world. Um, because sometimes if we only look to, you know, mainstream media or mainstream television or, you know, mainstream movies, we don't see everyone represented, right? Or we don't see all the issues represented, but you're right that, um, you know, cultural institutions, museums, libraries, right? Um, even, you know, in your case, even going to the mechanic, right? Um, so there are just endless opportunities right around us um, to open up, you know, our daughter's minds and, and, and shape their perspectives. So thank you for that. Um, Ruth, I did ask, did you want to share a story? Yeah, so one of the things, I mean, I, and this, I feel my, my social justice, my teaching comes from this, right? Is that every day when I was a child, um, my father, and he did this with, with all four of us, my older sister, my little siblings, before we got out of the car, before he left us for the day, um, and this was hard because my dad worked third shift when I was in high school. Um, he would always say to me, he said, be your best, right? Be your best by being yourself. So every day he would tell me to be my best and be my best meant being myself. And, and that, you know, I mean, I, I, I am who I am. <laughs> I am myself and I've taken that and I've carried that and, um, you know, have, have, lived a life and, and led a career that has really always, um, I think, tracked my values and allowed me to come to the place where I currently am and have the positions I am, but because I am always honest to, to who I am, being myself and, and being, being that, right? And that's, that's the best, is bringing my whole self to everything I do. And, um, and I do that a lot. <laughs> I bring who I am to my relationships, to my work. And, um, and it's my dad who always told me that was important. Yeah. And that's so great because, you know, also Ruth, it's like, there's so much pressure, social pressure on girls. Right. And so you know, sometimes that can take them away from, you know, who they actually are from their values. And so just that piece of, um, you know, that mantra of your father's, you know, be your best by being yourself, um, I think is a, is a really powerful one and, 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 and an impactful one. Um, so thank you for sharing that. It is. Thank you. And I'll just say one thing to fathers and, and to everyone. I was recently cleaning out an old drawer and I found um, a, a um, uh, like a mural that I had done, um, one of those vision boards, whatever that you would do in seventh grade. And that was, and I was having a lot of same thing, right? A lot of trouble with this bullies and girls and, and different snipes at that point. And my main, you know, what, what my cutouts out of all the different magazines was, was that phrase, right? Be your best, be yourself. And that, that has, that phrase has carried me um, through lots of difficult times in my life too. Yeah, great. All right. Thank you. Um, okay. So I think maybe um, we'll do two more questions. Um, I think one is really important. Um, and that is, um, you know, how, you know, what are ways that your father continues to support you as an adult, um, you know, in your career or, you know, maybe in your personal life that then, um, you know, supports or, you know, allows you to be more present in your career um, or, or rather I should say, um, you know, perhaps ways that your father supports you 
um, in your personal life that then also has an impact on your professional life. Um, but I think that that's really important because, um, you know, I can certainly say that even as an adult, you know, my father's support is still really, really important to me. Um, but that's not always the way that we think about parenting um, or even childhood for that matter, right? So, um, yeah, so why don't you share with us some ways that your father continues to support you or that you would like his support? Um, and Katie, why don't we start with you? Sure. Um, so just a couple of follow-ups on things I mentioned before, too, in that, like, you know, I, I think of, I'm at the Sierra Club now. One of the things that my dad did when I was younger to instill social justice was he got us, like, a joint membership to the Sierra Club and to the ACLU. Those are the two things. And it was like a little card with both of our names on it somehow. Um, and so thinking about that as like now, you know, working for the Sierra Club, he, you know, again, with the like trying to create opportunities, I think that a lot of people touched on was like, he uh, helped um, be able to find a way for me to like visit DC one semester and like get an internship um, in DC to like see what that is like because I was really interested in politics and so again this like yes you can make a difference and also like let's find ways to open doors and like find a way to do the thing that that is your dream and so I think that has a big impact in like getting me to where I am right now and even to have the dreams that I have right now still and, and what my life still can be. Um, and so, yeah, right now, like my dad is still like often my first call on so many things, like not only like if my car is not working or if like I need to like retile my bathroom, but also, you know, like making big life decisions. I think that it he's still someone that, you know, as Barbara mentioned, you know, you can call and like almost like having his blessing still means a lot, even though I'm like 32 years old and like have a child in a house and uh, that that bond is still there, if that makes sense. Um, and so, and how is he supporting me now? I mean, especially in this moment uh, because of COVID. I mean, I, we're spending a lot of time with both sets of our family. And in fact, last week I spent the entire week with my parents and my dad took a shift every single day watching my son for a couple hours so that I could literally go to work. Um, and so I think this moment that we're in has created new needs for so many people and, you know, us relying on each other in new ways, especially family. Um, and so, and he's there and it's like, uh, you know, I knew of course he was going to say, yes, you know, I can help you with childcare if that's the thing that you need right now. Um, you know, it's not even a question and, and that, I mean, that is a need. I don't know how, what I'd be doing right now without that. Yeah. Great. Wow. That's excellent. Um, yeah. And I, um, thank you for also sharing that story about, um, you know, how your father got joint memberships, um, you know, to the organizations, to Sierra club, ACL, ACLU, um, and then also helping you find that internship in DC, right? And, you know, so oftentimes we need that kind of guidance um, as daughters, right? You know, we might know that we have an interest and then, um, you know, we need that guidance from oftentimes from our parents or from someone about, you know, what next steps to take. And I just love to hear about, um, you know, your father taking care of your son while you're working, right? That, that not only sounds like good, you know, grandpa and grandson time, it also sounds like, you know, really important contribution to your professional success in this moment. Yeah, so great. All right, thank you. Okay, and let's see, Barbara, let's go to you. There are a couple ways in which my father had, continues to support me now that also like Katie, I'm an adult with a daughter and, you know, on my own here in Chicago with my husband, been here nine years. He, 10 years ago, he was diagnosed with a terminal illness. Um, and six years ago, very fortunate to have a lung transplant. So he is alive. Uh, he is immunocompromised. And so this time is very scary for us. One thing he's done, though, to support me is just emphasizing the importance of health, health and self-care, which I will tell you growing up, I didn't think it would be my dad who would be promoting self-care because he's always like, go, go, you got to do it, you know, but, but the point is, well, you also have to slow down and prioritize your health because you never know. 
maybe you will get, he didn't say this, but maybe you will get diagnosed with a terminal illness. We don't know. And so we have to do what we can to stay healthy and live a healthy lifestyle. And that's my own personal opinion. And I've really taken it to heart, especially this year during the pandemic. I've really worked hard to change what I eat, to exercise more, to lose weight. I mean, all these things that I talk about doing, but yeah, kind of let slip because other things take precedence. No, that is important. And so seeing his struggle in those last years and being able to survive, but on a very strict regimen now with diet and medication, and all these things are keeping him alive. Every day is a gift. So he supports me by reminding me of the importance of our own um, health and to provide for our family. Uh, he reminds me often too, because I want to do so many things. We all do if we want to serve others and help, but I can't do it all. And he's reminded me that, well, you do have a family. So it's really important to, to be supportive of them. And, and your daughter, right? My daughter. So he he's helpful in reminding me that kind of helps bring me down a notch because it's too hard sometimes to think you have to do this, all this work and help all these people and do all these things. But, but if you don't take care of yourself, you're not going to be able to help anybody. So those two things have been very important for me and, and how he continues to help me. He um, subscribed to a couple of magazines for me to learn about financial planning and preparing for the future because I hope to live a long life, but I want to make sure my family's prepared. And so having retirement income, you know, having life insurance, these things that never thought about as a kid, but are really important to longevity beyond my lifetime. So he's really taught me about that and leaving a legacy. These things are very important for our families and future generations. So all those things have helped me a lot and it keeps me grounded in times like these. Great, great. Thank you for sharing that. And you know, Barbara, I, I just wonder, I could imagine that it's a little bit easier to prioritize self-care when um, the advice is coming from your dad, right? <laughs> yeah, I could definitely see that. Okay, great. Um, okay, so Ruth, um, you're next. Yeah, so I was actually just looking outside the window because my father um, is taking care of my two-year-old. So um, that's how, I mean, both the way Katie and, you know, Barbara have mentioned their fathers helped them. I think um, my father, the reason that I, I am where I am and I can do what I can do is because of my parents' support, right? When I graduated from college and took a job as a community organizer, making, you know, less than I made as a server, they told me I could move into the basement. And you know, they always had a home for me wherever I lived when I was in law school and, you know, I needed a place. I moved back home. Like they, when I was an adult and I had two children's and two children and we moved back to Chicago, they let us, you know, live in their upstairs apartment, um, rent free till we could get on our, you know, well, not rent free, a little bit, but so we could get on our feet and, you know, um, and even, and today he, you know, um, uh, I have a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a two-year-old, all boys, and my dad and my parents, you know, and our grandparents, the grandparents are, are their caretakers, they, they watch them, they're, they're there with them. Um, my father has been the primary, you know, child care provider for my two-year-old son since he was born. Um, you know, he, he, he's retired, and he's become a full-time grandpa, um, and he loves it, and seeing the bond that they have together is wonderful, and um, the, the amount of security it gives me to know that um, my child is being taken care of by his grandfather um, is and the bottom of the, is just adorable and it makes me uh, be able to do my work a little better. Um, but my dad also, you know, um, I'm his child and he's always looking out for me, uh, even at 40. He looks, at, he tells me, you know, when he thinks that things are too much or this work can get, can get, um, can be a lot, right? Um, and uh, it's hard for me to step back. Um, but like you said, uh, Emily, when, when you hear your parents and your dad be the, tell you, you know, perhaps maybe you need a little bit of time to, to kind of recoup and get together. And, you know, you shouldn't be taking this, these things so, so personally or have so much uh, tied into them. Um, you know, he just, he's there to, to remind me, um, you know, who I am and, and how to, how to also, um, center myself when I might be a little too um, 
erratic in my thinking or everywhere, right? Um, as, as can happen sometimes in this work, things get very overwhelming um, uh, as we feel and see them. Um, and we need those reminders from the people we love. So my dad um, serves as a great um, equalizer sometimes for me in that way. Um, and also just, you know, being a childcare provider. <laughs> I can't do this work with three children without without help, and uh, and then he's there for it. Right, right, and and then also I just think that that's such a special bond for you know for your son and also Katie's son um, to just to get to be with their grandpa so often, right? Like that's um, that's that's a priceless bond too. Um, and, you know, I can totally relate, Ruth. It's like when my dad, you know, it's like 7.30 p.m. My dad's like, are you still working? <laughs> I'm like, no, actually, I'm wrapping up. <laughs> you know, it's things like that. <laughs> but uh, it just, it sinks in differently, right? <laughs> great, great. Okay, well, we are just about at time. Um, this has been such a wonderful panel. Um, thank you so much for sharing your experiences and then also your insight. Um, and I think, you know, just um, in closing, it would be great if we could hear, um, you know, any advice that you all would give to fathers who want to encourage their daughters um, to pursue social justice professionally. What advice would you give them? And Barbara, let's start with you. Help make sure they get exposed to as many different kinds of people and places and things as possible, whether it's in person or online. I mean, I'm amazed today with the content that is available. I mean, you can learn about just, just about anything online. Uh, so definitely exposure to different cultures, different attitudes, beliefs, and kind of to steal a page from Katie's dad's playbook, like the news, I mean, see what's going on in different jurisdictions or, or areas, not just your own city or state or local news source, but all over the world uh, to get a perspective that's not your own and to teach your daughter that, hey, there's a huge world out there and can encourage her to pursue what she wants to do to make it better. Great, great, thank you for that. Okay, Ruth, let's go to you next. So, I think I would um, tell fathers to, you know, encourage their daughters, again, to, to be themselves, be who they are. If you see that your daughter um, sparks some interest in something like Katie's father um, did and, and Barbara's, you know, dig into that, really find out what that looks like for them and what that can be um, and remind them, you know, that they can be strong they can be um, feminine, they can be whoever they want to be. And, you know, um, wielding power is, uh, is important and, um, and they can do it. Uh, and, and, and women can do it. They can, they can wield the power and they can, um, they can be wonderful at it. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for that. Okay, Katie. Yeah, I agree with what's said and obviously gave a number of examples of this, you know, especially as women, like to have a male figure in your life from an early age, not only be able to, you know, tell you, you can do it, but also provide you those opportunities. I mean, that just yields a lot of down the road. I think that helps. That's why we're all such confident women, right? Is like, because we had those messages. And, um, but I also want to say one other thing that hasn't really been touched on. And that is just like the power of modeling. So like, yes, you know, my dad was sort of proactively doing things, but there's a lot of power in the things that you don't necessarily say, but instead kids observe. And so like, my dad is like the hardest worker that I know. Like he works so hard and I know that I got that from him, but not necessarily because he talked about it, but because you could observe him following through with a thing or not never giving up on the task or, you know, um, or, you know, living social justice values yourself and, and seeing him do that and not just telling me to do it, you know, but, but, you know, seeing that modeled and, um, Another thing I think about is like my dad just doesn't ever really 
take no for an answer. Like he will always find a way. He will always find a solution. Like he doesn't get easily deterred. And I think that's another thing where I don't know that he's ever explicitly said that, but like I've, I've viewed it and lived it. And so just the impact of modeling, you know, the things kids are always watching and seeing how you're behaving and seeing how they're in line or not with what you're saying. And so I just, I would, I would really think about um, that as well. Uh, and just how you're living your life and that that's a really good way to share your values as well. Great. Fabulous. All right. Thank you so much. So we will end on that note. Um, Thank you to all of you. Um, Just really excellent insights and um, such a privilege and a pleasure um, to hear from the three of you tonight. And thank you to everyone who tuned in virtually. We appreciate it. Um, And thank you so much. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more. You will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen Carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the world to them Be the best dad you can be Be the best dad you can be